Hey, it's Michael Fabiano now with Sports Illustrated, and I'm here to help you through this wild fantasy football season. To win in fantasy, you need player rankings you can trust, and ours have received the top five accuracy award over the last three seasons. Sign up for the all-new SI Fantasy Plus at si.com fantasy. We even have tools that sync with your leagues and experts who are standing by answering your questions in our premium chat. Sign up for SI Fantasy Plus at si.com fantasy and win your leagues in 2020. That's si.com fantasy. Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Canary. The bird has landed on beautiful Bainbridge Island, conveniently located at 499 Madison Avenue. ASE Master Technician Clint Ramsey brings over 15 years of experience, award-winning diagnostic skill, and a desire to reinvent the automotive repair experience. Schedule an appointment online at bluecanary.biz or call them today at 206 206- 451-4220. I'm Maria Metzler, the Executive Director of Helpline House. The global pandemic has affected us all differently. If you or your neighbors need food assistance, mental health counseling, rental assistance, or parks and rec vouchers, please reach out. Helpline House can help in many ways. Find us on the web at helplinehouse.org. It's what we do, neighbor helping neighbor. This segment of the Bystander Podcast is brought to you by Eagle Harbor Insurance. We don't sell insurance, we help people buy it. This has always been their motto and continues. They understand every family has different insurance needs, be it coverage or premiums. No two cases are the same, and they will always do their best to guide you into the proper coverage to fit your budget. They are here to help anytime. Give them a call at 206-842-7410 or contact them online at eagleharborinsurance.com. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. Good podcastville. You found the Bystander Podcast coming at you from beautiful Bainbridge Island, a quick ferry ride across the water from Seattle. Join me in Podcastville on Patreon. Become a fly on the wall or a super supporter. Listen to the show, tell a friend, talk with other listeners in the community. Participate with the show. Get exclusive content, early information. Suggest ideas for the show and talk to me directly. We'd love to see you in the community on Patreon. And now, let's start the show. Today, we're having a conversation with Puget Sound Energy, and our guests today are Shelby Naden. Hello, Shelby. How are you doing? Hello. Thanks for having us. Yeah. And also, Andy Swain. How are you? I'm doing well, Tim. Thanks for having us. Andy, what's your capacity at um, 
PSE, and we're going to use PSE as acronym for Puget Sound Energy going forward. What do you do over there? Well, I'm a municipal relations kind of guy. I've been with the company for a long time. I work with a collection of of cities and counties on issues that they think are important and issues we think were important. And in my current capacity here on Bainbridge Island, uh, I'm the municipal liaison manager for the island and am one of the core team members for the uh, collection of projects we're bringing to the island. Awesome. And Shelby, what's your capacity of work at PSE? Yeah, so I work in the communications department on major projects like this, uh, working on engaging with the community. Well, that sounds like the role that we need for this conversation, for sure. <laughs> Andy is my expert. He, he knows oh, everything. Oh, geez. No, no, I, he does not know everything. <laughs> and, and Barry Lombard, he's the senior project manager on what you guys are trying to accomplish here on Bainbridge Island? Yes, he's our fearless leader out of our major projects group. And the project that we're discussing today is improving the electric um, reliability in the area of Bainbridge Island. What specific area, and does that is that the entire island that you're going to try to improve um, the electrical grid on? So um, <clears throat> the island today is served by three substations, and a, and roughly a third of the customers on the island are served from each substation. Um, the one that's furthest north is Port Madison, and it has two transmission lines that come to it, so it it has redundancy in bringing power to the substations. But the other two substations, Murden Cove, that that sits in the uh, next sort of central island, uh, close to the uh, the Copper Top area, um, and then Winslow substation, which is our furthest south, and it's just a little east, excuse me, west of um, uh, Eagle Harbor, each of those two substations only have one transmission line to each substation to bring power to them. So if something happens to that one transmission line, then the substation goes off and all the customers that are normally serving the substation goes off. So what we want to do is come on and build a new transmission line in between Murden Cove and Winslow. So we will create a looped transmission system on the island. So hopefully if any one transmission line goes out of service, all three substations will still stay on. Um, probably it's fair to say that the greatest beneficiary or the customers that will benefit most from this are the folks on the Southern part of the island that are served from Winslow substation. Um, Unfortunately, that substation has had some poorer reliability, primarily as a result of the transmission line, we call it the Winslow Tap, that brings power to the substation. It's in a fairly narrow corridor, has a lot of trees around it, it's difficult to access, and so, you know, when the wind blows a little, a tree can fall and take the line out of service. Yeah, so living on Bainbridge Island for about 10 years, the the power going out here is it has happened often of course because we have a certain storm and we're on an island so get hit from all sides um, with the wind and the and the weather and and such um, there's always been a bunch of discussions to prioritize or um, have the citizenship of our community own the electric grid 
And I'm, I'm not familiar with the past history with PSE and, and those arguments. Can you kind of tell um, the listeners why a couple things, why it's important to go with somebody like PSE that, that has the infrastructure and the background and the ability to do things as opposed to prioritize or privatization of electricity. Secondly, how electric electricity is reached to each individual home. And um, there's also been a lot of talks about um, electrifying this area for the ferry and selling back electricity through solar power and stuff like that. Can you pontificate a bit on those type of ideas and why you see some of them as good or bad? Sure. So I, to your first question, generally, I, I'd say um, Puget Sound Energy, uh, an entity like us that, that has a whole lot of experience over a very long time. Uh, we have lots of people who really know what they're doing well. And um, we serve a very wide swath of the, of the Western Washington territory. Um, so one, one easy comment is we know how to bring power to homes and businesses. And so from that perspective, uh, I, I think you should, you should really support us. Um, that's not to say you can't do it other ways, but um, we know what we're doing. The second thing I'll say is that from time to time, improvements are needed in the system here on the island and for that matter, in our system that brings power to the island. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if you were a smaller entity, maybe, maybe your own utility, you'd have to figure out how to pay for that yourself. Whereas with Puget Sound Energy, we can spread most all of those costs across our entire rate base. So we're, we're much bigger, we have much deeper pockets, and we're able to recover our costs over a longer period of time, over a much larger customer group. So ultimately, um, costs can stay lower for Bainbridge Island customers as compared to some other organization that that might be here, a, a different type of utility structure, for an example. So that's probably, probably the simple thing. The other thing I'd say about that is um, we not only are, a, are a, a fairly large group of folks ourselves with a lot of resources, but we... Um, are in agreements with many other utilities and many other utility contractors so that when we need additional help, we can get it here uh, into whatever areas we need it quickly. Um, And that might not be the case with a different utility organization. So I'd say those things are, are strongly in our favor. Now, the second question that you asked about, um, I think is more generally about how power gets to your home. Did Mm -hmm. I phrase that about right? Yeah. So um, very briefly, um, power comes onto the island from the north. There are a couple of transmission lines uh, that bring it from the larger Kitsap area. Um, And then it's dispersed here on the island through our transmission lines to the three substations. At the substations, we reduce the voltage of power so that it's something you can use at your home and at at your business. And then we distribute that power from the substations over, what else? Our distribution system, which is a collection of overhead and underground wires and cables and transformers that move the power to um, neighborhoods, 
the downtown area, wherever it might be, so that folks who want power uh, can have it and use it. Um, there's a lot of distribution system on the island. In fact, there's more distribution system than there actually is transmission because we have to take power to a lot of places. So imagine going down pretty much every road uh, and a few other places to get to wherever the homes and the businesses are. So that's a, that's a lot of uh, infrastructure to uh, uh, maintain and keep in good repair and improve um, when that's needed. So it, again, it, it's good to have a, a utility that, that has the resources to do that. And then I think you were asking about, are there, are there things that could um, perhaps uh, use more local power? Is that what you were getting at? Yeah, I was wondering how the whole system of buying back electricity works and then electrifying uh, ferries and part in that. But before we get into that, and I think I gave you too large of a generalization question there. <laughs> so I apologize. Um, there's, I, I listen to arguments a lot about, oh, they should bury all the electric wires and then trees won't fall on the electrical wires. And then people are saying, no, they have to be on poles because the amount of cost and work it would do to constantly dig up wires when it broke and trying to find out uh, outages that way um, just isn't realistic. So you had mentioned that some cables are underground. What kind of cables are underground when it comes to le uh, PSE electricity? Sure. It's uh, underground distribution lines are very common. In fact, somewhere about half of our total distribution lines on the island are already underground. Wow. Uh, and, and somebody might ask, well, why are some overhead and some underground? Well, the, I'm asking that right now. <laughs> yeah, the primary answer is a lot of those overhead lines were built some time ago when that was pretty much the common practice and you didn't see a lot of underground. As we've come forward in time, more of our system has been built underground for a variety of reasons. Some of that's reliability. Some of that is just customer preference. Um, so I think if you were to start today in building a distribution system from scratch, probably pretty much all of it would be underground um, okay. for just now it costs a bit more to do it that way, but that's pretty much what our customers want. So I think over time you'll see us just continuing to build more underground. And in fact, many jurisdictions today have rules and, or excuse me, rules in their development codes that say, Hey, the new stuff you build utilities, that stuff needs to go underground uh, on the distribution side of things. So that's very common. How's that affect outages? Like, uh, well, the distribution you, line is underground and it's out somewhere from the transformer. How do I locate it? Sure. Well, there there are technical ways to do that. First of all, we have records, and then there are folks uh, who provide those locating services um, who have um, equipment that can detect the present of under presence of underground lines. So. Um, that's that's fairly straightforward to do. Um, most of the modern underground stuff, that is the stuff that's been built more recently, um, the cables are in conduits. So if a cable does fail or is damaged, oftentimes you can just pull out the damaged cable and pull in a replacement. Mm. However, older cables, um, some of the first undergrounding work um, wasn't installed using conduits. Those, those cables were direct buried in the dirt. And when you have a problem in one of those, um, you either have to find the bad spot, dig it up and fix it, or you may have to replace the entire cable. 
uh, and that's that's a bit more work. So I would say the trade-off, though, primarily is um, you you tend to have fewer service outages with underground cables mm. uh, because there are fewer things that can affect them. For instance, tree branches generally don't fall into them or trees don't fall on them. The flip side is that when you do have a problem in an underground system, it generally takes longer to find the problem and often takes longer to fix the problem. So the trade-off, if you want to think about it that way from an outage perspective, is perhaps outages that happen less frequently but last longer, typically. Uh, typically. In Kitsap County, does the power go out more often here on Bainbridge Island than the rest of the county? So on Bainbridge Island, particularly island-wide, we see uh, a little bit lower reliability or a bit more customers experience more outage minutes than in other parts of our territory. Now, it's, it's not by far anything like the worst area, but if you look at averages, typically, especially customers on the south end of the island, will experience more outages and more outage minutes, that is, they'll experience outages longer than a, a, a typical average PSE customer. And that's one of the reasons we're here to work on these projects, try to improve that. That's what's kind of driving this, uh, improving your electric reliability to help the south end a bit. Yes. Yeah. So I've heard of a lot of different, I don't, I don't know how the so- solar stuff is working with PSE here on the island. I just feel like a a lot of people are in the woods, so they don't necessarily have an opportunity to get a lot of sun. So it's a tough um, sell in that um, capacity. I was wondering if there's other capacities that you work with the community members. Um, I remember you guys had a big campaign about longer lasting um, light globes that you were passing out to a lot of people. And then there was uh, some type of electric buyback program. What's currently being offered in those type of realms? Sure. Uh, well, at a, at a high level, a, a couple of things on the uh, sort of on the solar front. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is for customers who want to invest in solar and perhaps put it on their roofs. Um, we have a net metering program, which just simply means that if the customer generates their own electricity uh, from their solar system and they don't use it all, they literally can sell it back to the utility. And I don't want to—I don't want to say the meter, if you will, spins backwards. But there's a mechanism by that that power that's not being used by the customer to flow back onto our system to be used by other customers. And, and we buy that from the customer who's providing the energy. So that's that's local solar and net metering. And that can happen at a, at a, at a commercial business or a factory. It can also happen on your residential rooftop. Another thing that we're undertaking uh, more recently is a couple of different solar programs. One is community solar. And in fact, um, we uh, in, in 2020, we um, asked for... Um, uh, applications for potential community solar sites. And there were multiple ones on the island. Um, after the review period was complete, um, only one of them looked like it practically could work and it probably needs to be in the next round, but it's it's still there under consideration. And the way community solar works is um, we, the utility working with a local host, would build um, a solar installation. The utility would own it. 
Um, and then local customers can sort of buy shares of that so that if you will, locally generated electricity from that solar um, installation uh, uh, can be used, if you will, um, by the local community. And we're in the infancy for, at Puget Sound Energy for community solar, but over the next year and year, year and going forward, we'll be uh, building our first projects and then probably doing more depending on how those first projects uh, work out. Okay, I'm gonna let you take a breather here and I'm gonna hit <laughs> Shelby up with a question. But when I get back, I'd like to talk about the idea of electrifying the the ferry terminal here on the island and how that how you see that looking. Shelby, um, you still with us? Yes, I'm here. Ah, good. Um, the feedback that you've got, have you had an opportunity to kind of accumulate that and sort that out when um, you had the community participate in your online um, forum? Yeah, so the, the meeting was just a few days ago, so we haven't had a good chance to really go through and, and um, analyze what everyone has said, but I can share high level that we heard a lot of interest in you know, getting the project done and improving reliability. Um, we heard a lot of questions about trees and what, what this missing link line will mean for trees on the island. Um, and then some really specific construction level things that were a little bit too early in the process to know. Gotcha. That, let's continue on that. Um, there's a lot of tree huggers. <laughs> there's a lot of people that are against clear cut, any type of growth on the island. Do you guys have a plan, Shelby, to kind of navigate that and work with those type of people? That's a great question. That's, you know, part of the reason we're doing this engagement is to get a good understanding of what the community's values are and how we can um, progress in this project and all the way to micrositing to make this project in a way that makes sense for the community in which we're installing it. Explain micrositing. Is that the term you used? Yeah, and, and Andy might have a better definition of micrositing, but really what I was referring to is that really detailed engineering of where a pole goes versus a line and uh, what side of the street. So kind of that smaller detail when we get further along. And did we have good turnout in participating? As a community? Yeah, I was happy with no. the amount of people. Go ahead. Yeah. I was happy. Um, I don't remember an exact number, but we had quite a few people. One of the things that we were really trying to do is make this engagement that we have to do online be personable and feel similar to what we would do in person, which would be a workshop. So um, with that being said, we had these kind of small groups and I felt that it was a really good opportunity to give people the space to ask their questions and share their feedback on, on what we're looking at for root segments. Is there any opportunity for people to continue to participate in giving feedback? Yes, yeah, so as Andy mentioned previously, we have an interactive online segment explorer, and that's on our website at pscbainbridge.participate.online. Um, and that that segment explorer tool uh, is a is a mechanism for feedback. There's a whole feedback section where we're asking questions about. Uh, what the community members think about different route segments and different um, factors or criteria, um, and then just kind of a general space. So we're using that tool as a mechanism for feedback, but we also 
you know, have our email address, which is info at pscbainbridge.com, as well as a general phone number that's on our website that people can call um, and leave voicemails on. Is that the one eight 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 seven eight eight six three two phone number? That sounds about right. We'll go with that. <laughs> yep. And I'll, I'll leave a link in the show um, to get you to PSC Bainbridge and uh, you can check out online what, what they're doing. Um, recently at some city council meetings um, at the end of the year, they were talking about looking forward and having electric car station, uh, electric garage, um, a few other upgrades predicting the future of more electric cars. And talking with the ferry system, they're going electric in the future as well. I was wondering how PSE is tying in with the whole ferry system and that situation. Sure. Um, we were, we are working with the ferry system um, sort of at their pace at the moment uh, on what the infrastructure needs will be so that they can rapid charge ferries uh, as they pull up to the dock while they're loading and unloading. Um, on the PSE side, that will probably mean some dedicated infrastructure from one of our substations, um, a dedicated line, if you will, to some sort of facility that will literally be down there by the ferry terminal. And then the, the uh, ferry system will own and operate its own charging system for the ferries. So we'll be the power supplier. They'll be our customer. And we'll maintain the infrastructure that makes sure that enough power gets down to the ferry terminal so that they can uh, charge their ferries on demand. Now, where's the money come from? Because most things here on Bainbridge Island are paid through property tax. Sure. I'm a property so, owner and I'm taxed <laughs> to the sure. teeth. So we're a regulated utility. The State Utilities and Transportation Commission regulates pretty much everything we do, including, um, if you like, where we get our money or who pays for things that we do. And in this instance, um, because the new infrastructure will be built to supply the ferry system, the ferry system is the customer and the ferry system will in large part be paying for that. The local community itself doesn't pay anything towards those costs other than each customer, a portion of each customer's, you know, sort of monthly payments, if you like, goes you know, into a large pot at the utility. And some pieces of that um, are used in the system improvements that we build over time, but the vast majority of that, if not all of it, will be paid for by the, the state, by the ferry service for that, that new infrastructure that they'll use. Yeah, I wonder what that, the price of a ferry ride is going to be by that time, especially now, you know, it's over $20 for a ferry ride um, with your car. And, you know, there's riderships way down because Seattle is closed mm -hmm. and COVID times is going on 11 months now. And that's a big portion of where the ferry gets their money is, is rideshare money. And that's just been down. Like I heard something, something like 80% this last year. And they just kind of launched this idea of going electric last year, I believe. Correct. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so I hope they stay with the project and see it through, but there's definitely going to be some financial woes, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think you're going to see all those efforts continue. They might be a little bit slower than originally anticipated, but the governor is is strongly behind ferry electrification uh, for its climate change uh, um, contribution. So I, I, I think you can still count on seeing that happen unless something else unforeseen uh, were to rear its head. Mm-hmm. Tim, you, you asked about electric vehicles as well, I think. Yeah. So do you want me to... Yeah, so talk, talk about the charging stations and it has the city of Bainbridge Island brought you any proposals for charging garages or any, or any futuristic ideas like that. Well, that hasn't happened yet, but I think we're expecting it. What? So here's what we're doing. Um, we've recently installed uh, three sets of charging infrastructure at three um, new uh, development projects here in, uh, I'll just call it the downtown Winslow area. And of course, at this moment, I'm forgetting the names of the projects. But in each of those cases, we worked with the developer uh, at, at their request to provide um, charging infrastructure at their sites. So that's one thing we're doing. Another thing we're doing, and this is it in its infancy, but um, we're getting in otherwise into the electric vehicle charging business on a, on a public accessible basis. So um, I think our first public charging station uh, just went live in Tumwater, and we have, I think it's Tumwater, and it might be Lacey, I, I might have the communities mixed up. Um, and we have several others in the works. I w- expect that one or more may come to Bainbridge Island, although I will say that Bainbridge Island has a, a fairly small core of sort of density usage. So um, I would expect that um, when when a public charging station does come, whether that's at the ferry terminal, perhaps WashDOT has talked about wanting to do fair, uh, uh, vehicle charging op- opportunities there. Kitsap Transit has talked about electric charging for its bus fleet. Buses, yeah, that, that's another that's another possibility. But I think um, in the not too distant future, um, there could be a public um, charging station for you know privately owned vehicles in the not too distant future here. Um, in the Bainbridge core area. Yeah, it's definitely, um, I'm seeing electric buses um, take people to the ferry now more often than years past. Mm-hmm. I have another question if um, I can barge in here a bit. Sure. What does a public charging station look like and how does that facilitate people's electrical needs, I guess? Like, it's not like a car wash that you drive through and all of a sudden you're charged up. No, typically um, they could be in uh, just along street parking. So as you as you remember the old parking meters where yeah. you drop your quarters and your nickels and your dimes, well, there's there's an electric charging version of that these days. It's slightly larger, but it it comes with a, a public you know interface. You can you can tap your credit card, um, and then it it has a uh, a, a, a charging cable with the appropriate uh, plug on it and you literally just plug, you know, you, so you pull up to this thing, you plug it into your, uh, your uh, vehicle charging point, you tap your card and you charge for 
you know, as long as you're there, maybe you're there grocery shopping, maybe whatever you might be doing. So that, that's one option. We're also looking at opportunities to have a, a larger collection of chargers sort of in a group um, at uh, other types of, of parking locations. So perhaps there's a, a parking lot adjacent to a, um, a shopping center or, or a particular um, location that has uh, a, a lot of vehicle traffic. Maybe it's close to a lot of places where people are coming and going. Uh, we're, we're building some of those. Um, so you might be able to charge as many as, you know, maybe six or even eight vehicles uh, at a time uh, in those spaces. So those, those are coming. Um, and then we're also looking at working with both governments and businesses to install the equivalent of those types of charging stations in say parking garages. Okay. So that's coming too. I saw that um, there's a couple of those charging stations in, in public uh, parking spots in downtown Winslow Corridor. This is a crazy question. Is there any, I don't have an electric car. I have an electric mm -hmm. bike. doesn't work at that station. Um, if I park my regular car there, is that a ticketable offense? Well, so that varies by the local jurisdiction. We don't regulate that. Um, it, it, it may very well be, or, or it may not be. Um, so that, that's a question for your, your local government. Yeah, because I always just try to leave that open as mm -hmm. if it was a handicap spot. You know, sure. leave it open. That's just not where I should park because I don't have electric and somebody will need it. Um, what other kind of solutions do you have going forward for the future? For Bainbridge Island. Well, you, you mentioned electric bikes. We're hearing more and more about those. Um, as you probably know, the island is um, working on a sustainable transportation program uh, plan for the island. And um, I'm, I'm actually a, a part of a technical group that is working on pieces of that or, or at least acting as a sounding board for pieces of that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that very issues come up. How can, can the utility work with the community to create electric uh, bike charging facilities potentially all around the island? And um, it's, it's not a space we're in yet, but, and, and I'm, I'm an avid bike rider myself, although I haven't gone electric yet. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna bet that we'll either work with others that wanna provide that service or there may mm -hmm. come a time where it, it makes sense for the utility to provide that service directly, uh, especially in, you know, community gathering locations. So it, it, it could be schools and churches and, you know, downtown areas and uh, destination locations for grocery stores or parking or parks, any, any number of places. I mean, if, if the electricity infrastructure is, is already there, I don't think it would take a lot to create the ability to, um, you know, charge smaller vehicles like that. Now is all the trucks that come out and work when power outage is going on and, and laying and removing cable and stuff like that, are those all PSE employees or do you outsource with other companies or other people much like an 18 wheeler might be an independent truck driver, but still deliver everything to whatever store? Sure. So we, a couple of, of answers to that question. 
So the local folks that are first responders to issues in our in our power system, we, we call them servicemen. Um, they have they're all PSE employees. They have PSE trucks. They are the folks that are coming are going to come and do the investigation and to work on on small issues in our system. Uh, from time to time, we need to reconfigure our system, either because work is being performed or something has happened. Those folks, uh, those same folks are going to be doing the switching or the reconfiguring of the system. So we have a lot of those uh, folks. And uh, yeah, they're, they're all um, company employees. And now for uh, the, 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 the bigger construction pieces, if you will, and a lot of the storm response, we have been working for a number of years with a dedicated service provider. In this case, it's uh, Patelco, uh, and uh, which is a uh, an outfit that's part of a larger family of businesses called Quanta. But um, they have been our dedicated service provider on the power side for many years now, and um, they have their their own trucks, and those are employees of Patelco. Uh, but they they do our work to our specifications. Uh, we, we set many of their priorities. Uh, we design most of our projects and, and then they construct them to our standards. A little bit of the work um, is designed by those folks themselves uh, in limited circumstances. But yes, we've, we've had a good working relationship. And the reason that we went to it was simply that we recognized that there are entities out there that, that just live and breathe this stuff and that there could be benefits to our customer base if we focused on running the utility uh, and, and some other similar uh, aspects of the business while we worked with experts in, in design and construction. And so that's, that's why we do that. Gotcha. Um, it, it, it does have some, some financial benefits to the rate payers and that it does help to keep some costs down a little bit. But by and large, it's about using the expertise of people who just do this day in and day out, year in and year out. Is there anybody over there you want to give a shout out for their good work? <laughs> everybody at Patelco. In fact, I would encourage everybody on the island who might have suffered through outages here this past uh, week uh, to just really have a, have a kind word for those folks because they work very long hours in really difficult conditions and they really are motivated by getting power back on for everybody as quick as, as we can. Well, great. Well, Andy, I think that's all I got for you today. Um, Shelby's already taken off and reprioritized her day. <laughs> so thank you, Shelby, even though you're not hearing this right this second. Um, Andrew Swain, PSE, you can get more information at info at psebambridge.com. Your website is what exactly? Well, so you can find us at pse.com slash Bainbridge. And, and there you will find links to everything we're doing. And not just project work, but other things we're doing on the island, things we're participating in. And you can also go from there to the more project-specific stuff. Uh, including getting to that ex segment explorer tool at pscbainbridge.participate.online. Well, great. Well, Andy Swain, PSE, I appreciate your time. Um, I hope to talk to you again when you get further along in this project and you got some more ideas and feedback from the community. 
and uh, whenever you want to ring me up. Okay. All right. Very good. Look forward to it. Uh, you're very welcome, Tim. Thanks for the opportunity.